It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to It Ain't That Simple Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast where we talk about missions and poverty and all of the stuff that goes along with those subject areas. Uh, My name is Fraser Scott, I am the Executive Director of Bright Hope World and together with our new partnerships facilitator Kevin Honoré, we have been uh, going around the world virtually at least and interviewing uh, some of our partners and giving them the opportunity to tell their stories and and this is season two of the podcast, uh, what we're calling a, a conversation with and uh, it is uh, our opportunity to let some of our partners uh, tell their own stories and, and share about their lives and their ministries. And uh, today we have, uh, well, we're actually returning to Lebanon. We shared a podcast um, a month or two ago uh, from a partner in the Becker Valley in uh, Lebanon near the Syrian border. And today we're going to Beirut, or, or actually to the the hills uh, above Beirut, to um, a partner of ours called uh, Bassam Haddad, who's just a, a wonderful, uh, kind, and dedicated man working with Syrian refugees. And as you'll hear from the podcast, um, it's quite clear that things are really, really hard in Lebanon and uh, particularly in uh, Beirut. Uh, but you will also hear from Bassam just his amazing dedication and, and focus in continuing to um, work among the people and his sense of, of calling and commitment to um, to being there and to continuing to do uh, what he can. So I won't give a, a, a big preamble, um, but some speaks very well for himself. So I started by asking him to tell us a little bit about um, his background uh, and growing up in Lebanon. I was born in a Christian family. My dad and mom read the Bible and they were a real believers in Jesus Christ. And when I was a small boy, I learned all the truth from the Bible, that I'm a sinner, Jesus is the only savior, and I have to repent and ask him to enter my life and give me forgiveness. Till age 16, I didn't accept Jesus Christ. Once I was in a place, in a conference, and I asked God to forgive my sins, and I want to be the son of God. And from that time, I have eternal life. Jesus is my only Savior and Lord. He is my personal Lord and Savior. And from that time, I have a feeling. I'm hearing his voice telling me, you are not on earth to go to school only. Later, I heard the same voice. You are not on earth to work only. You are not on earth to have a family only. You are for me. I want you to tell people about my love, about my salvation. All this sound, all this voice, from age 16 till age 54, till this morning, I am hearing this voice. This sound. He is telling me, I want you to be my ambassador. I want you to be a real Christian. I want you to serve me. I want you to make a change. I want you to bring people to the cross, to salvation. 
Tell, tell us about your um, your family. You, you're married. You have children. Tell, tell us about um, your family. Before I got married, I prayed and I asked God, I want to get married with a woman to serve you with my family, to love you and be our home, to be a church. And God gave me a woman called Nada. She is one of the biggest gifts from God for me. If I want to ask God to give me a good woman, I couldn't ask him to give me a woman like Nada. And the same with my kids. I have two kids, Nancy, 25 years old, and Elio, 24 years old. The same thing I say. If I want to ask God to give me good Nancy or good Elio, I couldn't ask him to give me such good uh, family. I thank God for my family. My wife is working in ministry. She is uh, the manager for the women in the Middle East, in the region. Nancy is working two jobs. Uh, one of them with Leo Burnett, an international advertising agency. And Elio is working with uh, World Vision. And he is also making his master's. He just finished. He wants to make his thesis. Mm. And this is about my family. We are very happy with all the difficulties that we have. Since almost one week, we are searching for a medicine for Elio, and we didn't find. The doctor gave us four names of similar medicine, and we didn't find any. With mm. all of these, we are very happy. We are satisfied. We wake up every day, every minute. We thank God for everything we are passing, even though it's very difficult, but we are happy. We have peace. We have inner peace. Tell us, you know, obviously the, the world has seen some of what's happened in Lebanon from you know, political and economic troubles to uh, the the big blast in the port and then COVID as well. Just walk us through some of what that has been like for people living there, and and how things have have changed over time. Let me tell you this: as I was telling you about the good things in my family, you can't expect much more good in Lebanon. You can't expect much worse. You can't see much worse. No benzene to fill your car. Many of the medicine you can't find. No jobs. A lot of poor people. Something that you can't imagine. The problem that we are in in Lebanon now, you can't imagine that any country uh, could be like this. It's something unpredictable, something uh, very strange. I didn't think that since years, and if you go back 10 years ago, 20, 30, 50 years ago, I didn't think that we have any problem like that in the world. Big, big problem. But do, do you see it changing? Is it getting better? Is, no. it, is it getting worse? It's, it's going worse. Every time you, you go on the street, you find a big line to have 
benzene for the car. Every day you see a longer uh, line. First day, for example, for 10 cars waiting. These days you will, you will see 20, 30 cars waiting on the gas station. And the gas station didn't open yet. The gas station, they are opening for two, three hours. And people are in line. And many others, gas stations, are locked. And the same problem in the medical field with the hospitals. They don't have all the equipments, all the medicine to have surgeries. But they are postponing many surgeries. Something very bad. And boy, how are people living? How are people providing for themselves? Is it, you know, what does it actually look like uh, there for, for you guys that are in amongst it? How are people coping? They have a problems. Some of people, many of these are very, very poor. They can't provide the essential things for living. They have no money to buy food. And if somebody have money, if he goes to the supermarket, sometimes he can't find meat. Yesterday, a woman, 70 years old, told me that she asked her husband to go and buy milk. They couldn't find milk to buy. Now in Lebanon, there is no milk for children under one year. There is no milk. You can't find easily milk for kids. And how, how is that affecting uh, you and your own personal uh, family? I, I mean, you're, are you still able to do what you're doing? You, you mentioned earlier that your business has uh, come under a lot of pressure. How does that work for you? Let me tell you about my business. As I told you before, I work with MetLife. I am an executive consultant since years. Uh, because of the economic situation and because I have a calling to serve the Lord, I am not putting a lot of time in this insurance. Maybe on average, I am working maybe one hour per day for MetLife for only helping my old clients. I am not working for new clients since long time and because if you have any any commission either you take it in Lebanese which is 10% of its real value because the one dollar before it was 1500 lira now the one dollar is more than 15,000 uh, and if you have a commission transfer to the bank, you can't collect this money. Either you collect it maximum 1,000 per month on a rate 3,900 Lebanese, or you can't collect it. It's stuck in the bank. But that's why I'm not working anymore. And as I told you before, my priority now in life is not to work in MetLife. Even it's a big problem financially, but as I told you in the beginning, the sound of God, you are not here only to go to school, you are not here only to have a family, you are not here only 
to work. I am not on, on earth to work. I am to do his work, to speak about his life. Uh, even this comes very bad. This is a good sign not to waste my time in work. This is a good sign for me. Because before I have to go to work to bring some money. Now, if you go to work, you can bring some money. That's something good for me. That, that is a very positive way of looking at something that must be and um, a, a real challenge. And that's why I'm still living in Lebanon. If mm. I don't think positive and I, ha I don't have a calling, Lebanon, for me, in my opinion, it's not a place for a human being. How, I mean, thinking what you're saying about the hospitals, how is, is COVID there and, and you know, how, what sort of impact is that having if, if people can't get medical care? Let me tell you one thing about the people that I serve with. As you know, I serve with Syrian refugees, and these are many in our church. If they got sick, they don't have money to go to make the PCR. But they don't know if they have COVID or not because they are very poor. Wow. Have, have you, you know, you've seen a lot of people being affected by it? Is, do you have a sense of, of how widespread it is in, in Beirut? Yes. Now, it's, as the news says, it's very low. But we don't know if these numbers are real or not. We are not sure. But... Wow. What we are hearing, it's very low. Before we reach per day 3,000 cases per day, now 100 only. So you were focusing on ministry to the Syrian refugees. Is that still your primary focus? Yes. And these people, as Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them and teach them all what I said. When we are doing this, now they are not any more refugees in Lebanon. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And now they are helping the Lebanese people. Before the big blast in Lebanon, we took a decision to help each day four new families, to help them and tell them about the love of Jesus. After that came the blast, as if God was preparing us for this big problems in Lebanon. And we have a goal to reach end of 2021, 5,000 families from first of what we start our ministry in Bushriya. Every day we have to reach four new families. Who is doing this? The Syrian refugees that accepted Jesus Christ and they are now disciples for Jesus. So tell us about the ministry in, in Boucheria, which um, you know is a is an area um, sort of part of suburb of Beirut. Tell us about the work that you have been doing over the last few years there, and, and the people you're working with, and and what you've been doing with them. You are naming it as Boucheria. Nowadays we are not meeting in Boucheria because in Boucheria we have a small apartment in the first floor. And it's very small, and we can't meet in because of COVID. So we started WhatsApp. Why WhatsApp, not Zoom? Because many people, they don't have good cellular 
and of course they don't have laptops the internet is very not good that's why we used whatsapp which is something not the best idea but this is what available to make our meetings so we didn't do we meet in bushri we meet on whatsapp for almost one year after that we started small groups on zoom and now we are meeting our major uh, meetings are done in Aindara. And because we concentrate on DBS, Discovery Bible Study, and this helps people to do the Bible study at their homes. The COVID helped us not to come to church, but to make each home of these believers a church. And now we are coming to Aindara. Today, when we finish our meeting, we have a DBS. We bring bus to Aindara. Almost each day we have one meeting or more some days and every day the people that are helping in church and serving we have a whatsapp call to speak about ministry about helping the poor and we pray this will make it every day because of the big work that we have and the big need that we have and the love of jesus that we have we are doing this every day we we understand that uh, the the numbers of of refugees coming from Syria that, that's largely stopped and, and that uh, if I understand correctly there's about two million refugees um, that are still in uh, Lebanon and that are unlikely to go back. What I mean, how are these people surviving? How are they able? You know, I, I know they're not able to work. How are they able to survive? You know, even in a country like Lebanon where things are really tough what are they doing how are they able to continue to exist okay let me tell you uh, first uh, yes there is not of many people coming from syria this is right but there are still some people coming from syria i'll tell you last story before three days a woman sent me whatsapp and called me telling me that i want to speak with you since years i have a dream many dreams Jesus is coming to me in dream and speaking with me. She told her neighbor and her neighbor said, you have to speak with the church, speak with Bassam. Yesterday came to the DBS and spoke this. For I think this woman came from Syria to meet Jesus, to be with the family of Jesus. And this story, it's not the unique story. It's not the only story. We have like this many. For some people are coming from Syria Till now, but of course, not big number. Second thing I will tell you, there is a woman called Ghazali. Ghazali is one of the members in church that we serve together. And she is in the group of WhatsApp that we speak every day. She makes interviews with people on WhatsApp, ask them many questions. One of them, if you'd like to speak on WhatsApp or me to read the Bible together, and she'll ask them about their needs, and she make a good interview. Nowadays, she traveled because they came to Lebanon to travel. She traveled, and this is for the first time we do this. Because we work on WhatsApp, Ghazali will continue her ministry with us on WhatsApp. Mm. Uh, she went with Myram to church. They make something, a new line WhatsApp, in order she can continue from 
outside Lebanon. She will continue serving the Lord through WhatsApp from the country that she is. Look, let's let's take a, a short break there. Um, we'll come back, and I, I'm really keen to to hear more. Uh, both about what it's what it's like being a Christian in a country that is not primarily Christian, but also um, keen to hear about what it's like sharing your faith with people of another faith. Um, but for now, we'll, we'll take a short break and we will be right back. It Ain't That Simple Mate is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand. And that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. Welcome back. You are listening to It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast, where we are talking to Pastor Bassam in uh, Beirut in Lebanon, uh, talking about ministry to uh, Syrian refugees and also some of the challenges that Lebanon is facing. Um, but before we uh, just took a break there, we were just talking about uh, the, the ministry to people from Syria and, and Bassam, most of these people that have been coming over, are, are they Muslim people or are they Christian people? The majority are Muslim people. The majority are from Syria. Uh, and the little people are from Lebanon and Christian. What is it like? How I mean, for a lot of people that are, are listening, the idea of sharing their faith with a Muslim person would be quite scary. What is that like? How do you do it? How do you explain the gospel to a Muslim person? I learned to do it in this way. First, we ask people if they like to attend a Bible uh, study. After we meet on WhatsApp or face-to-face, because they came to attend a Bible study, we can speak with them. And usually I use questions. The first question, can you introduce yourself? And we'll ask them, tell us what do you believe? And after we ask these questions, if they say we are Muslim, we believe in Quran, we believe in Prophet Muhammad, I'll ask them, what did he give you? And usually after these questions, they realize that they have nothing except uh, sentence to speak, words to speak. But they don't have love. They don't have peace. They don't have salvation. They don't have forgiveness. After that, we'll tell them about what the Bible says. And this is the way that more, most of these people accept Jesus Christ. Some of them from the first time. Some will take longer. And one of the good things that we are doing when we are in a Bible study, we ask an old woman or woman, did you born uh, Muslim? They say, yes. Tell us your story. How did you 
accept Jesus Christ. And this will help us because people like to hear from people like them, from the mm -hmm. same religion, from the same culture. But this is helping a lot. If we ask ourselves, is this something uh, not risky? Of course, no. Is this logical? Maybe not. But <laughs> I think it's biblical. Because as Paul said, you crucified Jesus. You did not accept him. He was speaking all the truth with the people. And they were listening. So we use this way. We speak direct with people, all the truth. We ask questions in order to see people, what did they understand? What did they hear? If they listen, what we are speaking. But this uh, way, I think it's good. And something very good on Sunday, we don't preach. On Sunday, we make hymns. We praise God. Last Sunday, there were five or six new people. And I asked them this question. Did you ever met people like this gathering and singing and happy like this? All of them, no. We didn't see anybody happy like that. But this is making a big impact. People seeing their friends, their people from Lebanon or Syria, they are very happy. They have peace. They have Jesus. But this will encouraging people to see why. What is this Jesus that we are speaking about? I think this is making a big impact. There's obviously some risk for you in Lebanon sharing your faith. How, how big is that risk? I don't know, but let me tell you this. I am 100% sure that I will leave this earth after I die. So why I die without doing anything? Let me die doing something. I will die either by accident or sick or something like that, or war. I know that I will die. I'm not afraid of dying, because I know that I will die. But I don't want to live dying. I want to live living for Jesus Christ only. I don't want to eat and get married, and it's not my life. My life is to serve my Jesus, that he died on the cross for me. I want to serve him. I want to love him. This is why I'm on earth. I'm not afraid of any risk. I'm afraid of doing nothing. Mm. This is my concern. This is, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of leaving people crying. I'm afraid of people going to hell. I'm afraid of people staying poor. This is what I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of the risk. Because he said in Matthew 28, I have all the authority on heaven and on earth. And he said, and I know that clearly, he is with me. All days, I know that he is with me. I'm not afraid. Sometimes I'm afraid. But when I read the Bible and listen to his voice, he is with me. He sent me to be in Lebanon. I'm not in Lebanon to live as a human being only. No, I have a message. And these times, which is the worst days people can imagine in Lebanon. These are the best time for Jesus. Lebanon is a place to speak about Jesus. This is what's Lebanon for me. There is a risk. Yes, there is a risk. But I don't care about this risk. They will kill me. Okay. I told people since five years, if Satan will bring anybody to kill me, he came very late. Because there is many people that told about Jesus, and they accept Jesus, and they are ambassadors, 
I was born in a Christian family, and I am preaching Muslims. If they kill me, it's very small. It's something not good for them. The biggest that they can't do, that they can't kill all the Muslims, that I help them to accept Jesus Christ. They can't go to Syria, Lebanon, Sweden, USA, Canada. More than 10 countries, people came to Bushriya and accepted Jesus Christ, and they traveled. Satan mm -hmm. can't go to these people all and kill them. He can kill me, yes, but he can't kill all the people that accepted Jesus Christ. He is very late. He can't do anything now. Very late if he will kill me. If he wants to kill me, he has to do it before, not now. If he kill me now, he will get nothing. Nothing he will get. What has been the response from Muslims that you've shared with? We hear a lot of response from Muslims around the world. Are you seeing that? Yeah. Yes, sure. Because they are in peace. Because the Muslim woman, the Islam, I don't know how to say it in English. The Islam make it down. The yeah. Islam make it not a human being. Now, when we tell the people, the, the Muslim woman about Christian, about Jesus, and they accept Jesus Christ, they be the daughters of God. They will be in the image of God that he created them. But they have peace. They are very happy. They are back human beings. They are very happy. And that's why they are excited to speak about Jesus. If you see the woman, the Muslim woman, how they speak about Jesus to their relatives, to their dad, to their mom, to their neighbors, they are very excited to speak about Jesus because Jesus makes something very good in their life. They brought them back to life. In Islam, you are not a human being. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you are nothing. But Jesus make these people worth, make them in the image of God. Yeah, gives them value. Yes, value. This is the word. Yeah. In terms of the, the work that's going on, I mean, it's obvious that you are the leader there and there's a great, uh, you know, you have a great passion and, and vision for what is happening. Do you have a good team of people working with you? This is what I believe. What I read in the Bible is it's not a pastor in church. This is what I believe. It's not one pastor. It's a team. It's a group of people. That's why the Discovery Bible Study and all what we are doing in church help us to work as a team. Not Bassam is the pastor and not Bassam is doing everything and everything you have to relate to him. Every question you go to him, we are working as a team. And this is sure. one of the great things that it's not in our culture. In the Arab culture, this is not. Even in our evangelical church in Lebanon, you have a leader, one leader usually. Yes. More than 90% of churches are like this. They have a pastor, and he is the number one and everything. I don't believe in this. Okay. So that makes it very difficult even if there is opposition, it makes it difficult to stop what is happening there, doesn't it? hundred percent, hundred percent. With the ones who have gone to other countries, are the majority of them still carrying on in their faith? Are they still witnessing? Are they uh, doing the things that you have taught them once they get there? I don't have 
an accurate answer, but the majority is yes. Okay, that's great. Because we have a big number. It's yes. one, not one, two, three, or four. Last one that we, before three weeks, got baptized, her number is 3022. And I told you, we will be reaching number 5000 in end of 2021. So we are working with a big number. And these, the majority of those have gone overseas, is that right? They've gone to other countries? Uh, yes. Yeah. But there's still people in Lebanon because some of the people that came to Lebanon because of work, not only yes. because of the war, they yes, come yes. to work because they have relatives or they come to work. There are other few, they have a calling, they will stay in Lebanon. They came to sure. Lebanon maybe to escape from war or to travel like my Ram, she has a calling. As I heard yes. the same, the voice, he's saying, I want you to help my people. My Ram had the same voice and yeah. continues, continues. She is oh, hearing, she's saying, I want you here. I want you yeah. here. She is making, now she is in a training. Today, she has a training. Okay. And we are making many trainings. Illiteracy, English, helping people how to make their budget with all these bad situations. And we've made this, Myra make a training for uh, making budget and helping people how to do financial things in their home for more than 50 people. So a lot of your training is very practical as well as spiritual. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because as I told you, we use questions. We don't use preaching. I speak and you will hear. And I don't know if you understand. And I don't know what did you learn. And I didn't know what you apply. That's why in the next DBS, we'll ask this question. What did you do with your personal uh, and specific decision? Did you do it? What was it? So we who did, have something. Uh, who did you, who did you tell about it? Yes, this is one question. Who did you tell about it? And another question, what did you do with your decision? You took a decision to obey God. From this passage, what did you do with this? Yes. We have uh, accountability. It's not only we speak to people and leave them. We have accountability mm. to ask them next week what did they do. It sounds like the cows are coming in behind you there with the dog barking. Yes, the bus came now. <laughs> so the people have uh, arrived. Uh, listen, listen. I, I'm sorry. I didn't. For, I, I I forgot to tell you about my friend. My friend Leo. This is what I'll tell you. He is my friend. He is helping me a lot in this place. He's taking the security uh, issue. As you see now. <laughs> As you hear now. Sorry for is this. He, is he one of your disciples? <laughs> yes, I teach him to obey. Really, really, he obeys a lot. <laughs> Sorry for his uh, sound. And, uh, and, uh, I didn't... Uh, Hey, look, we, boy, you know, hearing you talk is uh, very inspirational. It's very challenging. And I so look forward to people hearing your heart. And, and you know, we're, we're praying for, for Lebanon. We really want to see um, breakthrough there, not just economically, but also spiritually. And, um, yeah, just, just know that we stand with you, my friend, and, and we, we do not forget you. We pray for you. We will Thank you. continue to support the phenomenal work that you're doing it is um 
deeply powerful. It makes a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Tell, tell me one more thing. You, you have this, uh, the campsite there. Is that's that's where you're meeting now, isn't it? That's where you've shifted yes. from Bushria, and and this is yes. your base now. Yeah. This is the place that we meet, and yes. this is the place that we make from here the internet and the WhatsApp and the Zoom and everything. Okay. So and all the trainings and the Bible study here because it's outdoor, and I make something to stay far away because of COVID. And people come out in the bus from time to time as yes. a group. Yes. Okay, well, that's probably enough from us, Fraser. And, yes, indeed. Uh, it is. It is wonderful to hear your voice again. We uh, we look forward to being able to come and visit at, at some point in the future. And, and sure. yeah, we're praying for you, my friend. Thank you very much. Last thing I'll tell you. Yes. A very big thank you for all what you are doing, for your support, for your prayer, for your concern. Thank you is a small thing that I can tell you. But what oh. I'll tell you that Jesus Christ is seeing and understanding and knowing really what you are doing. Not Bassam, not Bushriye, not the Lebanese people, not the Syrian people. God, Jesus, is seeing all what you are doing and he will reward you in heaven. And because I am the son of God, I appreciate, as he appreciates, all what you are doing. A big thankful from each woman, each man, each Muslim woman that came and met Jesus. From all of these people, a very big thank you. Tell all your donors, all your people in your ministry that these people love you a lot. And you make a very big change. And I don't think there is best place than Lebanon that you can help. Because taking people from one side to another, from no value to be the son of God, from people that are crying to be happy. They are you are making very big change. I can't express how much the change that you make in people's life. I can't express it. Wow, I think you've expressed it really well, actually, and it, it's that um, that really means a lot, and it, we love being part of it. Yes. Usually, I tell people these words, and I will tell you, I tell you the same. Jesus loves you. It is very easy to uh, be captivated by what uh, Bassam says and and how he expresses himself, um, isn't it? it he, he's just such an incredible uh, human being and just in, in re-listening to the interview uh, there's a couple of things I wrote down that uh, Bassam said that I thought wow these are these are really powerful words uh, he said at one point I don't want to live dying I want to live living for Jesus Christ only that's that's a powerful way of putting it um, I was also quite taken uh, when he said if Satan will bring anyone to kill me he came very late uh, from Bassam's uh, perspective the damage is done that he has uh, seen so many uh, Muslim people come to faith and then take that uh, faith uh, around the world and uh, having spent a bit of time 
uh, with Bassam in Beirut. That's just what he's like. He is not someone who holds on to his life uh, too closely. He just uh, lives to serve people and serve God. And uh, he is a real inspiration, uh, a very, very powerful person, but obviously um, under some considerable uh, stress in Beirut. So if you are the praying type, uh, it'd be a a pretty good um, thing to pray for, a pretty good ministry to pray for, and and a pretty good country to pray for as well. And we we do hope to see them um, recover from some of the the great difficulties they have been through in the last couple of years. Uh, well, look, thank you for joining us on It Ain't That Simple, mate. Um, if you have any feedback, please do send us an email podcast at brighthopeworld.com or you can comment uh, facebook.com forward slash Bright Hope World. We love getting that feedback. We love passing it on to our partners. Uh, but for now, um, I've been uh, Fraser Scott, who uh, is sitting here talking without Kevin Honore, but I'm sure he would say hello as well. Um, he is uh, still under lockdown in Auckland. Um, so we're, we're thinking of the folks up in Auckland, if, if you're one of them, um, while the rest of the uh, country has a bit more freedom. Uh, But anyway, thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for joining us on It Ain't That Simple Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. Uh, We hope to have you join us again next time.